0: Hi, this is Megan Ball.
1: And this is Brock Wilbur.
0: And you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try to find the silver lining or flip it into something that, will possibly not positive, will at least be productive. Brock, how the hell are you?
1: Jordan, I'm great. Okay, I, I'm mostly <laughs> just picturing the faces of regular listeners right now uh, as, uh, as they wonder what the heck just happened. And here's what the heck uh, just happened. Uh, Jordan Shively, excellent writer, excellent dude, uh, the co-host of this show. Uh, Jordan uh, has a book, which I'm sure most of you know about, uh, that he is on deadline for and that deadline uh, has been slowly crushing his soul into a dust and then into a paste. Uh, and he's got to go cook that paste into a pot. I don't know how to anything with cooking, so this metaphor escapes me. Um, but uh, the deadline is requiring a lot of him on top of everything else he has to do in the world. Uh, and one of the things that we promised each other, when we got things rolling with carrying into the void this year was that we were going to be thoroughly on, on time with a schedule that every week you would be able to expect that a show was coming out on Wednesday and we did not do great at that. And, uh, and, uh, we were, we were chatting, we were, we were excited to get started on recording some things again. Jordan, in fact, upgraded his whole audio rig, uh, and then, uh, realized that like between now and the book going to press, um, this thing would just wreck him. And not because it's a difficult thing and not because he doesn't like it. Uh, it would it would be difficult because uh, Jordan, if you've ever listened to the show, uh, read a single one of his tweets, been outside in the same world that he uh, cohabitates, you'll know that Jordan can really uh, crush himself under the pressure of creative projects and his responsibilities to people. Uh, so I, I knew that even if we went on like a break here to wait for him to get done, he would probably definitely still be feeling bad about not uh being here and and helping make this because he is just a top-notch person um so we talked about it and uh with his blessing and full support uh we decided that for the interim here uh we're gonna take on a guest host uh so that we can get the show up and running to to be responsible to those of you who are such wonderful people who have invested so fully in this wonderful little dumb thing that we do. And so we have brought Megan Ball back. Uh, you might know her because she did a guest spot five months ago, uh, which even within that episode, we made jokes about, like, you should just be the third host here uh, <laughs> because she is our friend and had such a seamless integration into what we do. Uh, she is a wonderful writer and a spooky person and, and just a, a, a wonderful – she's part of the family here. She already was, already our chat friend. Uh, where we dumped all the darkness that we found on Twitter into each other. Uh, so just just a natural extension here. And so Megan is going to hop in uh, while uh, Jordan uh, uh, does the, the pie baking metaphor. I don't know what that was. but You're so um, close
0: to that metaphor, <laughs> man. I believe in it. I'm
1: so – you know how pies come from paste? I just – fuck, I got so close. Anyway, Jordan is not gone, and nothing is wrong here. Uh, we love Jordan. Uh, yes, and Jordan, we do. Jordan love you, Jordan love all of you so very much, uh, and Jordan will be back. Uh, this is in pursuit of making sure that his hottest singles in your area book is as good as it can possibly be, and yeah. also so he doesn't have an emotional breakdown we don't want between that. now and then. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm not the new Jordan. I'm just going to be here to spread the good spooky word with my good pal Brock. You know, when Jordan's book comes out, um, we'll also be touting that at, to the highest volume we possibly can.
1: We we have it still in the show notes as, as a pre-order link. There's yes. there's always ways to get in on this. Uh, we will be pimping it consistently, yes. I, I promise. Uh, we we just want our son back. Just give me back yes. my family. Yes. Uh, Megan, <laughs> would you tell people who you are if they didn't hear the previous episode, an, an introduction of what is the ball?
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, my name is Megan Ball. I am a writer, an editor, a terrible guitar player, and I write on the Twitter account at Eldritch Girl. I am known for writing for tour.com, Tour Nightfire. I used to write for the Barnes and Noble Science Fiction blog and I'm just a general um, you know, weird internet cryptid. That's probably how I know Brock and Jordan to be honest. I was trying to remember how I even met you guys and it's just like just general internet weirdness probably.
1: A couple of motherfuckers that like books and spooky paintings from the past. Yep. Yeah, we 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 rise to our own level. We find each other. We we have the magnets.
0: <laughs> it's it's very true but I am a certified card-carrying goth, and um, I'm a big music nerd. I'm a huge book person, so um, I have lots of spooky knowledge to share, and I am absolutely thrilled and in awe and slightly mystified that Brock was like, hey, we want you to come be the co-host for a bit. So I'm very, very honored, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here with Brock and with all of you.
1: I didn't even have to be the one to bring it up because Jordan was the one that was like, you know who should do it. And I was like, yeah. I mean, we basically offered it to you on your own show in real time. So like, yeah, of course you're going to step in if if that was what you wanted to do. So we're the ones that are happy that you said yes, because uh, for me to find a guest host every week would have been my fucking nightmare. So this is wonderful.
0: No, I'll just be your nightmare.
1: And speaking of being book people, uh, you and I have just edited... A, uh, a collection of flash fiction yeah. uh, that has probably by now been released but if not be looking for it like later this week yeah uh, that is a uh, it is a charity fundraiser for the save our stages movement uh, to help make sure that our concert venues and musicians make it out the other side of this thing so um if if that's out would love your support in spreading that around uh, but uh, if it isn't you probably follow us on Twitter Twitter I don't think anyone that listens to the show does not we are a small enough family so like <laughs> you'll see it when it happens. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's something that Brock and I really wanted to do because we're both big music people and we're both big concert people. So the fact that the past year has been a year without that kind of, you know, release and the catharsis that we get from it, we wanted to do something to kind of make sure that the spaces that we love were places that we could go back to when all of this is over.
1: It was a solid six months ago that That you convinced me to buy tickets for a festival that's happening in September on my birthday that I believe that we will both be making it to. And so the entirety of the last six months (laughs) and every day moving forward, my entire thing is just like, as long as everyone's got the vaccine by August. The world just needs to be fine by August because I spent too much on concert tickets in September. And it looks like... Looks like we'll easily make that goal, but if anything else happens, I'll lose my fucking mind. So this is our way to take part in concerts between now and then.
0: I have so many con—I have so much money wrapped up in concert tickets, and I keep going like, "Yeah, man, just roll them over." I'll see you guys next year. And now it's like, "Oh, this is a lot of money in concert tickets." Oh no.
1: <laughs> the, my favorite one is that they just uh, reschedule out of nowhere for the same date like a year later, and like when it first started happening, I got like upset where I was like excuse me, you don't know what I have scheduled for that. And I was like, what do I have scheduled a year out in a world where there's nothing on my goddamn calendar? Yeah. What am I even upset about? <laughs>
0: and, the, and a lot of these bands are ones that it's like, I don't care if this is like a Tuesday, I'll still go and see you and then go to work the next morning. Very, very tired because I am so old.
1: That, that's also the reason that my tickets are so expensive for that thing in September, because I went <laughs> all out on like the VIP things because like, they have chairs, and I'm yeah. just like, I'm, it's a three-day music festival. I'm just too fucking old to stand anymore for that long. I know. I, and, and I'm just so tired of being a six seven man that winds up standing in front of somebody no matter where I am and having them be mad. I was like, give me s- some place to sit. Like, that's all I need. I, yeah. I and the festival in, in Chicago is just, like, action-packed with all of the bands that I missed this year. So it yep. feels like this... This upcoming rum springa of like a year's <laughs> worth of concerts packed into one for me. I'm just like, Yeah, it's just all Brock's favorites just fucking three days over my birthday. Yep. It is a it is a birthday gift to me, so I'm I'm very excited for that. Megan what story do you have for us on Carrying Into the Void? Today?
0: Well, I wanted to lean into something that I know a lot about. I studied very heavily Victorian stuff when I was in college.
1: You, sir you have a major in Victorian stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah. I have a degree in English literature. My final dissertation was on Victorian horror novels and Penny Dreadfuls. So um, I wanted to lean into that a little bit. I, I like to think where Jordan is really into teeth, I'm really into bones. So um, I wanted to kind of bring that to the first kind of quote unquote unofficial hey megan's here and she's going to talk at you for a while so
1: god i got to i got to p- pick a body part for my brand you yeah. two are so well established
0: <laughs> yeah come on you got to get with the times you got to have a, a body part all the cool kids have them
1: i want to be like yeah you know what would be really edgy my thing is uh blood i think i'm <laughs> the only guy that's into that that might be my whole Brand angle. Okay, so bones. Yeah. Good. All right,
0: so I want to tell you today about the Victorian mummy eaters.
1: Do go on.
0: (laughs) So back in the 19th century when Egyptian stuff became really hot for the Victorians, what they would do is they would just either travel to Egypt or they would have mummies brought to them. They would have mummy, mummy unwrapping parties where they would just have drinks and canapes and unwrap a mummy. Because, you know, it's 1830 and what else are you going to do? And then those mummies were then ground up and used for aphrodisiacs and medicines and paint and stuff like that. So you have a bunch of Victorian people walking around, actually going into, like, pharmacies and being like, yes, I would like some ground up mummy, please. And then they would get it.
1: (laughs) Speaking of dust made into a paste, mummy paste, that makes for a mummy pie. I know how things work.
0: Yeah, see, you were so close. You were right there. So, yeah, the Victorians uh, were really into antiquities, and they were really into digging things up, but they weren't really so great at, like, keeping them. They ruined so many things in their zeal for this kind of stuff. There's actually...
1: In, In not keeping them, you mean, like, not, like, their ability to archive things, but rather that they just were bad at protecting stuff, so ruined it in the process?
0: Yeah, both. They were bad at archiving things, and they were bad at protecting things. So, I mean, that's why people were, like, instead of being like, hey, these mummies are really historical and we should treat them well. It was, hey, let's sell this for a few pounds and some people in England will unwrap it for a party and then use it as, like, firewood afterwards.
1: I want to go to the party? <laughs> I mean, I'd be upset about it, but still, I do want to do at least one mummy burning in in my life.
0: Yeah. The Victorians are wild. like. Do you remember how, like a few, what, probably a year or two ago, there was a big meme about how there was like liquid in the bottom of a tomb, and everyone wanted to drink the forbidden tomb liquid?
1: Let the people drink the red ooze. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah,
0: the Victorians would a hundred percent drink that. Not even even a, a pause. Also, that was
1: more than a year ago. I am so sorry to inform you.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. the The world keeps marching on. The memes have gotten better though. So, <laughs> no, but the Victorians loved to do this kind of stuff, and they actually think that we have something like millions less of mummies to study because they all got either eaten or burned or used as, like, train fuel. Like, they used to be just, in Egypt, they'd be like, hey, we dug up some mummies. Oh, great, well, we need to, you know, fuel the train for a bit. And things just got burned.
1: Too many Victorians ate all of our mummies. Yeah. It is, it is a conundrum.
0: Yeah, because they, they thought it was an aphrodisiac, because fucking of course they did. They think that this is where the idea of mummies as vengeful spirits and enemies come from, because this is before Howard Carter and King Tut, so like the whole idea of like a cursed mummy wasn't really a thing yet. But with mummies becoming a bigger part of uh, Victorian life, they started showing up in Penny Dreadfuls or horror novels, and they think that's where that kind of trope that we have came from. Um t-
1: I do want to live in a time where people weren't afraid of mummies. That seems odd. It'd be like living in a time where everyone liked clowns.
0: <laughs> I bet the Victorians probably love clowns. That's probably where that shit comes from. They were
1: so weird. If they burned the clowns in their locomotives, then yes, of course.
0: Yeah, of course. Victorians were really not weird about bodies and stuff. I mean that's where you have a lot of people who would go to operating theaters as a fun weekend activity and just watch surgeries happening or autopsies. Yes. Yeah. That's why that stuff's called like yes. operating theaters and stuff. That it's just.
1: I did. I never put that together. Okay. Yeah. Love to learn.
0: There you go. You, you're you learning things today. But yeah, that's probably where we got the idea of, of Vengeful Mummies. So that's where like Mummy with Boris Karloff from 1932 comes from. And the idea of like the King Tut legend. Um, Because that happens in the 1920s, and by that point, the Victorians were kind of not a thing anymore. But the legacy of what they did to mummies lives on. It is an absolutely wild thing just to think that you could go into a pharmacy in Victorian England and order some dried mummy, and you would get it, and you'd go home, and you would take it.
1: Yeah, for your boners. I mean,
0: Yeah, because, you know, why not? Humans are weird. They'll just, like, snort anything they can.
1: Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> do you have a caring into the void to go with us? <laughs>
0: I, I do. I'm going to put on my best Jordan Shively. I'm going to try. <laughs> the caring into the void today is they will try to consume you. They will try to remove everything from you. Every comfort, every solace, every little thing that makes you, you. But they don't realize your strength, hidden though it may be. They can't see your value or your worth. You will turn to ash in their mouths. You will fight against them, against their teeth and clawing hands. They will be undone by you. You will unravel them, take them apart piece by piece, until even their hunger and greed are neat little artifacts made harmless behind glass. They may not have understood you. They may have underestimated you. But you will be remembered long after their names have been lost to the cleansing dust of time.
1: I like that. Yay!
0: <laughs> Thank you. I was I was very nervous about... The Karen Into the Void. I want to make them as good as I can.
1: I feel like I can hear uh, Jordan being proud of you and then offering like a, a sarcastic criticism and then uh, reminding you that he is just joking. I think, <laughs> I think that's the Jordan format here.
0: That's all I want is for you and Jordan to be proud of me.
1: Well, I'm proud of you as always. Um, so, so my story here is one that I wish we could have knocked out uh, previous to the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are ramping things up uh, to be a, a good, nice thing for everyone in 2021. Uh, so uh, let's knock this one out. Um, I'm going to take you on a journey of the Yule Cat. The Yule Cat. Uh, and so we are headed to Iceland, the place where the music comes from. Oh, yes. And uh, Yule Cat is, is part of uh, Icelandish folklore, is, is in some ways uh, part of their replacement for the Santa mythos, um, but it's part of a, a much larger universe there. And essentially, he is a gigantic cat, uh, much larger than a house. Who looks like absolute dog shit, um, and he lurks around the countryside during Christmas, and eats people who have not received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. What? Uh, so he is—he is like a fashion critic, and he—if <laughs> he notices that your your clothes are too ruffled, scraggly, what what have you—he uh, he kills and devours you. Uh, so that is what this gigantic cat does. Um, so basically. There's a poem that sort of describes him from, like, 1932, uh, but this was sort of done via oral folklore for years because that poem that that technically on the page introduces us to Yule Cat, that book wasn't translated until 2019, but the Yule Cat uh, story has, has always lived on here, and so it's, it's been very fascinating for people uh, to sort of track that. And um, so here's the thing. Uh, it, what What they think it is based on is the idea that um in iceland you harvest all of your your wool uh you you get all the wool together from the sheep and stuff uh and then there's a process of sort of cleaning the wool and preparing it to be used uh in the manufacture of items like garments Uh, and that project becomes a an entire family affair like everyone in the family has to sit down and really take some time to do all this thing together and uh, basically it's sort of an idea of a story that was meant to scare children into thinking that if they didn't do their portion of the work in this, that a cat larger than their house would come and eat them. Uh, but I like that part of it. Um, but here's here's the even better part of it. Uh, so this glowing-eyed monstrosity <laughs> that also still has a pitiful meow, that's its warning sign. Amazing. Like You would hear like a normal small sad cat in, <laughs> in the snow in the countryside. And then what would appear would be uh, this Grizabella the Glamour Cat uh, who would uh, rip, rip you for your fashion choices. Um, it's so it's like the, the woman uh, from
0: The Devil Wears Prada as like a giant absolutely. cryptid. Oh my God, this is amazing.
1: And Yule Cat's actual name is, and I'm going to do this terribly, Jola Katarine.
0: Oh no, I've seen them in concert. So I,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, they open for ghost. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, Jola Katarine is... Uh, is the pet of the actual, like, Santa replacement. Um, because ostensibly, part of what is happening here is that Yule Cat, if you are good, brings you the clothes you made yourself, uh, which feels like a very Icelandic version of Santa. Yeah. Like, yes, you must toil, and then, uh, you know, the cat will reward you with allowing you to keep your life so that you may enjoy the gifts. That mm-hmm. is the gift that you were given at Christmas for having done your chores. Man,
0: no wonder everyone there turns to death metal. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, so the cat is the pet of, of their version of Santa, and their version of Santa is called uh, the Yule Lads, or the Christmas Lads. What? <laughs> the Christmas Lads, the Yule the Lads. Lads. The Yule Lads and the Yule Cat, the, the Christmas Lads. And the Christmas Lads are a collective of elves, uh, basically. They, they number between 9 and 22, but the most uh, common use of them is 13. So there's 13 Christmas Lads, and the Christmas Lads come down from the mountains... Uh, and they, they give out the presents, but also they take care of the cat all year. And so when they're out giving the presents, they just sort of let the cat do the devouring.
0: So this is like Icelandic Christmas polyphonic spree.
1: It is very much so, yes. The Yule Lads uh, <laughs> and then the opening act, which is a cat. Uh, yes. Uh, Amazing. So uh, here, is, here is the carrying into the void uh, awesome. for Yule Cat. We call together this assembling of the Thirteen to set you loose upon the tundra yet again. They know your name, and they know how to pronounce it. Already, this imbues you with such power. Yes, clean your paws, for they shall be needed. Don't worry about licking the matted fur as your travels will leave you withered and torn. But those are the marks of pride, a showing of your prowess, the visualization of an internal trophy case. If you looked clean and proper, no one would believe what you are capable of. These marks of honor from providing your service to an entire peoples in one night. Sure, you will have your reward in the snacks of the punishment, and you will judge and find wanting among too many. But your true purpose is not to serve as a critic nor to inflict suffering on those who have already suffered. You are a reminder to all that only through banding together may we collectively overcome falling short. Only together does the work get done. And for each who sets out about that singular purpose, the tatters of their journey may be responded, resplendent, born again new into a form that reflects the worth of the individual with more clarity than ever before. Take your leave, begin the adventure, and remind all those that the wages of not believing in themselves are punishable by death. Merry Christmas.
0: Holy shit. That was so metal. Oh my god.
1: I I, I need everyone listening to make sure to Google uh, Yule Cat, uh, because the artist interpretations of Yule Cat over the years are... are It's absolutely what got me started on this, because I was just like, this is the... funniest thing I've ever seen but also like has the potential to be absolutely terrifying and like uh, uh, there there is certainly a community of people that that love cats and have drawn just uh, the, the Clifford the big red dog of cats that also <laughs> is just covered in blood uh, so uh, <laughs> a fashion murder cat uh, god bless you Iceland is- only you could come up with this
0: <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever heard I love this so much I'm going to do something about that next Christmas god, Christmas traditions are amazing because they're just so, the ones that are really old fashioned, like the the skull horse in uh well in Wales and uh, this Yule cat thing, like you you get the old like folklore stuff, and that stuff is terrifying. And then you have like the Coca Cola version of Santa juxtaposed to it. Mm-hmm. Just outstanding. Absolutely beautiful. A plus, plus, ten ten, No notes. Incredible.
1: Thank you, Kitty Kraken. Um, <laughs> do you have any self-caring you've been doing lately, Megan, for your self-caring into the void?
0: I do. Um, I live at home with my parents, who I love very much, and my father's a big old movie fan, so I watch old movies with him a lot. And so we've been doing that a lot over the holidays. And I wrote a little bit about on my Twitter feed that people need to go and watch things like Casablanca, because it's like no one knows the stories about how those old movies and stuff got made anymore or what the, the meaning is in those movies. So I would encourage people, because I, I enjoy it and I find a lot of peace in it, to watch really old movies. And I mean old. I mean like from the 30s. Black and white. Turn on TCM. Steal the cable code from your parents. And just turn on some old comedies or old dramas or noir type of things. It's one of the best things you can do for your mental health, I feel, because there's no internet. It's just people that are having, you know, very human problems. There are, sometimes there's musicals and stuff like that, and it's just easy to fall into those kind of worlds that were created. So I recommend more highly than I can say, just watch some old movies.
1: Um, my self-caring has been uh, that I got a <laughs> watch. I've never been a watch guy. I have a watch now, uh, and uh, ostensibly I was like... With this watch, certainly now I will take more steps in the day now that the watch will track my steps and, and certainly I will be healthier. That is not how any of this works. Um, but I, I have a watch now and I've become attached to it in this way because um, it has reminded me of the existence of time, which uh, this year has removed any need for me to, to think about that. And, and my job never ends. I have my laptop in front of me morning to night. Uh, which, uh, much to the eternal chagrin of my wife and friends, um, but that is how reporting on the news goes. Uh, so, like, time doesn't matter to me at all. So <laughs> getting this watch was an adventure and being like, what is 3 o'clock? What does 3 o'clock look like? Does that matter? Um, should I go to bed before midnight by noticing when midnight happens? Like, it is amazing how how little interaction I have with time itself at this point. And it, was a, it has been a little stabilizing. Uh, just to realize that, like, oh, I've gotten into a habit of waking up at the same time each day and eating lunch at the same time each day. Uh, I'm just sort of like, that's that's new, and I figure if I can master that, maybe I can master uh, getting off work at 6 and maybe closing the laptop someday. Someday, I've got something to work towards, but in the interim, I have watch.
0: I believe in you. I know you can do it.
1: Thank you. Do you have... Uh, Any sort of uh, amplifying into The Void to do this week? Any sort of pop culture recommendation?
0: I do. Um, I have a friend of mine. Her name is Sally Cantorino, and she's an incredible illustrator. And she is uh, working on a comic right now with Paul Cornell uh, from Vault Comics called I Walk with Monsters. It is stunning. The writing is so beautiful, and her artwork is just gorgeous. It looks like it's going to be an absolutely incredible series. It's on issue two now. Issue three should be coming out in a week or two. I highly encourage you to go down to your local comic book store if it's safe to do so or order it online and just sink into that. It's going to be – real. it's a horror comic, so it's got some really scary, beautiful things happening in it, and I'm so excited, and I'm so proud of my friend.
1: Mine this week is a movie that I finally caught, knowing that it's been around for like a decade. I uh, just never thought to sit down and watch it. It's on uh, Shudder and Amazon and stuff. Uh, it is called Dead Birds. Uh, It is written by Simon Barrett, who we know from uh, writing The Guest, yay, and uh, the reboot of Blair Witch Project. Yay. (laughs) Um, And uh, it stars Patrick Fugit and Michael Shannon. And it is basically the story of uh, some, uh, it's set in the Civil War. Uh, and it has uh, some military guys that decide to rob a bank and make a run for the border. Uh, So right out of the gate, it's just massacring a lot of Confederate soldiers, which is in really brutal, like, head-exploding ways. And it was just like, yeah, you know what? We don't spend enough time with the Confederates. Uh, It's it's too easy to do Nazis, or at least it used to be. So, like, Confederates, that's better now, you would hope. Uh, And they wind up, hold up for the night in a mansion uh, that it turns out uh, this plantation definitely has a zombie problem and before you ask no the zombie plot problem uh does not relate to the slaves it relates to the slave owners that live there uh and uh you know what (laughs) i just wasn't expecting much from it and had just a delight of a time with it a really wonderful little horror film so that is my recommendation and that is your first episode of carrying into the void do you want your grade
0: yes please by all means
1: top notch you did excellent work here welcome to the show this is really wonderful I, i will wait to get jordan's uh report card on this i'm sure i will rate lower than you do
0: (laughs) thank you so much i'm really excited and i'm also really excited to close us out so thank you all from listening and remember keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many and we'll see you next time in the void
1: bye thank you
0: bye thank you